0: at mile 29. So with with 71 miles to go, every time I would go downhill and I would step anything going downhill, I felt like there were knives stabbing me in the legs. So for yeah, the next 71 70 miles, miles, oh my yeah.
1: goodness.
0: And it was it was an interesting experience because it taught me so much about my limits, my perceived limits and what we're actually capable of.
1: This is about humans dreaming together. About
0: humans supporting each other on our journeys.
1: It's about the science and the art behind making our dream lives a reality. To the students of life.
0: The young and the curious.
1: The dreamers and the doers. To those who crave to be a strong individual. And want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Dreamology podcast. Welcome everyone to the Dreamology podcast. Dreamology is the study of the art and the science behind making our dream lives a reality. And here we are focused on giving you the mindset, tools, and strategies for making daily progress towards your dreams. No matter where you are in your journey. My name is Tim Bishop and I'm the co-founder of the Dreamers Initiative. I'm a student of life and I'm a life conversation junkie who is on a mission to identify how to truly live the dream life and help you do the same. Our guests on this show include best-selling authors, neuroscientists, entrepreneurs, and dream chasers around the world who share their knowledge, greatest stories, and life lessons with us. Before we dig in, I want to mention this podcast is brought to us by the Dreamers Initiative, which is a personal development community community that is on a mission to help Gen Z and millennials and young individuals out in the world awaken their dream life and make them a reality. We believe that humans are stronger together and that together we can accomplish anything. So let's get started on today's episode. Hello, everyone. Today's guest is Armando Cruz, who is the best-selling author of the book, The Legacy Code, where he teaches men how to unleash legacy in their life by using the five-step model that he created. Armando is also an ultra-marathoner, an adventurer, a father, a legacy coach, a physical therapist. This man really does it all. And We're really lucky to be able to have him on the show here today, and he shares with us a ton of life wisdom, stories, and he's just very grounded in what it means to live a good life and an intentional life and a purposeful life. And so I'm really excited to be able to share this conversation that I had with him, with you. And so here is Armando. We have a very special guest today, Armando Cruz. Armando is a a lot of things: an adventurer, ultra marathoner, lifestyle uh, physical therapist, a legacy coach, an author. I mean, a father. We could go on forever. Um, super excited to have you come on and just share all these experiences with us and uh, your background and your story. And um, we're really excited. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Tim.
1: Awesome. Well, I wanted to start um on a, a personal topic because. I, I saw that you know your father was a big influence for you, and you kind of say that he helped shape the man who you are today. And I'm I'm curious if you could just share a story or a memory that you had with your father that that can help kind of help us understand the impact he had on your life and why that relationship is so important to you.
0: Well, there are many stories. <laughs> uh, there are many stories, but as far as how it shaped my life, I, I'll tell you that. I think one of the most powerful gifts that my father gave me is his action, right? Because, Mm. you know, we, we expect our parents to tell us what to do, but the way he lived spoke Mm. more than what he said. And he said plenty. It was just, it was backed up by his actions. And the example Mm. I can give is, you know, For him, one of the the important parts was being physical. Uh, He did Ironmans, marathons, he trained. But he always had this belief that it was like, look, family's always first. So if you're going to train, you train when you're not taking time away from the family. So he would do it at four in the morning. He would do it at three in the morning, five in the morning, depending on what it was. And as I was growing up, he would always invite me. Mm-hmm. Uh he wouldn't do it at four in the morning or three in the morning, but like when he was finished, then he'd come into my room at like six in the morning and he'd be like, Hey, you want to go for a run? And I was like, It's six in the morning, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's already go- done a full workout. <laughs> right, right. So then it wasn't that he did that once, it was like it was every day. It was like don't, it wasn't you had to do this, it was knock on the door. Of course, hey, you awake? You want to go for a run? I was like, No, I wasn't awake. And no, I don't want to go for a run. And after enough times, eventually he'd wear you down. And he's like, fine. All right. I'm already awake. I'll go. And so, you know, you you get into the habit and you're like, oh, great. You do it for a few times and then you're like, no, nah, I don't want to do this. And then he'd invite me to go, for, to go to a race and then it'd be like, oh, wow, this is awesome. And then you start getting pumped up and that'll last for about a week or two weeks. And then you go back to your more comfortable habits. I share that because Again, it goes back to, it wasn't that he was just saying it, it was just, this is the kind of person he was, his actions were persistent. Mm-hmm. I had to go to work with him in the summers and he he had his own company, a construction company. And it was, he was the boss, but he'd be one of the first ones there sweeping the job site. And that was kind of his thing. He goes, I didn't understand it because I was like, this is construction, it's supposed to be dirty. And he's like, no, in my construction site, if somebody walks in here, I want them to feel not only confident that they can walk through the job site without getting hurt, but number two, that it looks impeccable. So I spent most of my times w- when I was working with him cleaning, like sweeping, picking up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cut wood that was there, put it in the trash or put it in a pile. Like there was always piles for things. There's always sweeping done, and. It wasn't just that he would tell me; he would go there. In fact, the workers would love it when he would leave because when he was there, he was relentless. Like it was, he wasn't like telling them, is that he was leading from the front and that they couldn't keep up his pace. He hmm. was like a machine. Yeah. So, uh, those are a few ways that kind yeah. of stand out and the kind of character and person that he is he's still alive so <laughs> it <wasn't>, yeah it was <laughs> yeah
1: no those are great examples and i yeah i love that he said like it wasn't the fact that he was just telling you things it was that he was doing this day in and day out and so i assume that influenced why you became an ultra yourself <laughs> he eventually convinced you that it was fun or what was the
0: <laughs> the transition point there yeah, the, the 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 funny story is that obviously I I love running now, but when I was young, he used to coach my basketball team, and my dad was the kind of guy. He wasn't. He was he was always more interested in instilling principles and long term habits than winning. So you know, all the other coaches would go and they'd be like fighting for, hey, this is number one draft pick. I want this person. I want that person. He's like, he would show up and he says. Give me everyone that no one wants. And then, but obviously I'm the, the uh, you know, I'm the, the, I'm his son. So I'm on his team and I'm like, dad, come on. Can we at least get some good people? <laughs> Drop somebody, <laughs> like, no. dude. Yeah, yeah. So his thing was when it was early on, it was like, look, you guys may not have the skill yet, but there's no reason why you can't have the conditioning. And conditioning doesn't take skill. It takes hard work. And that's something that everybody can do. And so Mm -hmm. he wouldn't put conditioning. And I thought at the beginning, it was like, I would start crying when I was a kid because he would make us run. And I was like, you just making everyone run because you want to see me run because I didn't like running. (laughs) And then over the (laughs) years, yeah, but it wasn't that it wasn't that. But over the years, I actually grew a fondness of it because what I realized was running is an honest sport if you haven't put in the work, like there's no high, there's no, like you shoot and you pray in a basketball shot and sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) But like, there's a, there's a moment there that it's up to the, to the gods, right. That it's (laughs) like, Oh, they, 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 they made it. And it's wonderful. Running isn't going to happen. There's not going to be like that, that, that moment of like, Oh, everything goes great. It's like, no, it's a backboard and it goes
1: in. There's no backboard,
0: (laughs) no backboard. You just got to put one foot in front of the other. And you got to grind it out from start to end and be willing to accept more pain than anyone else. That's really what it's about. And so I grew to love that as I grew older. And I started seeing that I was able to do better in that than in other sports because I played every single sport. And I was very athletic, but I was rarely the best one. I was actually the best one running, but in every other sport, I was never the best one but I was athletic enough to contribute to the team. And I always found myself trying to figure out other ways, other things that I needed to be doing that somebody else wasn't doing just to be able to keep up and, and be at the same level as whoever the best one was. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, watching his example definitely helped lead me there. And then I think one of the bigger ones is that ventures that we went on. The the thing about running was that I would go and I would train with him once and I was in high school. We would train before school. We would run before school, we would lift, we would do different things, and we'd spend hours and hours and hours. We'd be running or riding bike or I would do triathlons and and we'd be talking the entire time about anything and everything, whether it was training about girls, about school, about you know, frustrations. And it was an it was an avenue that Opened communication for us um, mm. uninterrupted. Uninterrupted right. because you weren't going anywhere. You're going to be out there for an hour, two hours. So yeah. why not talk? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that, I don't know if that answers the question, but. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, that's, I mean, dude, yeah, I'm just reflecting on my childhood. And if I would have been on a team of all the players nobody wanted, I probably would have been pissed because I played basketball too my whole <laughs> life. And I'm like, <laughs> man, but yeah, so that's awesome. So then, so then did it just evolve? So the original question, I love how you answered it. The original question was like, how did you start doing the ultra marathons? Oh. Was that just an evolution uh, like kind yeah, of, of the journey? It, it
0: grew yeah, it grew it grew out of love. I ran I ran in I ended up running in college, tracking okay. cross country. And then something uh, actually a, a, you know, there there are points in our life where we we hit these crossroads that when we make the decision that we make. Genuinely impacts in a massive way the direction of our life. And up to that point, after my undergrad in college, my path was, or my belief was, if you work hard, you deserve what's coming to you next. Like, in other words, in my, like, working hard was almost an entitlement of success, is what, or let me phrase that. I felt, I was entitled to success because I was working hard. Right, right? gotcha. And when I went from my uh, undergrad to my graduate studies, I didn't get accepted. I wanted to go to UNC Chapel Hill, and I didn't get accepted. Not because I didn't have the grades. I had phenomenal grades. I graduated college in three years. I like I was a great student, but it was a misunderstanding. And that blew my mind. Like, they didn't accept me because of a misunderstanding. They thought I was trying to sneak my way in for into the school in a different way than I was trying to uh, because that's what other people were doing. And it was frustrating because I had worked hard to graduate early so that I can keep on my path. And it just threw my whole life kind of like it was a shocking moment for me. Right. And it was the biggest blessing, though at the time it really sucked. It was the biggest blessing because it forced me to evaluate my beliefs. It forced me to evaluate kind of what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And I got so frustrated that I, I talked to one of my old college teammates and I said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this Western exploration. I'm going to be gone for like three months. Do you want to do it? And at the time, it was a great story because the, at the time, he's like, he didn't have the money. And he had some debt, and he goes, "I'll call you back in a day. Let me know. I'll, I'll let you know in a day." And he called back, and he goes, "I just got a brand new Discover card with no interest for one year. I'm going." <laughs> <laughs> what? That so is amazing. We left for three months, running all the national parks from Colorado all the way to California and then back. And it was, it was such a incredible. defining moment for us because. I started really embracing running as an adventure and as a way to experience the world. And it was great because he was the exact opposite of me. I was very book smart. I was very, let's call it square. He was the exact opposite. He was very street smart and he had, he he was the wild one and we balanced each other quite well. People thought we were going to kill each other, but no, because we lived out of my car. That was a, was a was a two door hatchback. Oh uh, let's go. <laughs> and we lived out of a tent for three months, living in the national parks and and running. We ran every single day once, if not twice. And that was the rule. Like I think we made it through three cities that we stayed in the city proper. We went it was um in San Francisco, we stayed with some friends in um in Las Vegas we went to Vegas. <laughs> we were there for like three days. Not a bad break. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But the rule was no matter what happened, no matter how late, we had to run. Like, you ran on the strip for at least an hour. Yeah. And, you know, some days we we're a little more hungover than others, <laughs> but they, they they happened. But, again, all of that to say that running became an avenue for adventure and self-discovery. Because when you're out there doing an ultramarathon, it's like you're going to be in pain. Like, at some point, you're going to get uncomfortable at some point you're gonna you 're gonna hurt, and you're gonna have to be consistent enough and keep putting one step in front of the other to to either stick with it or eventually it goes away it 's amazing, but eventually it goes away or, or your body goes numb mm. and I really yeah. embraced that and loved that idea, so that 's kind of the evolution of the ultra marathon yeah, dude, that sounds like the
1: coolest adventure of all time i uh, that's I love that. You, you know, you, you like had this path and you were going to, you didn't work out right for one reason or another. And then you just said, screw it. I'm going to do something that's like just insanely adventurous. And, and look like, while you look back at that experience, like I'm sure that's shaped then a lot of, your decision going forward and why you're, ultra. wait, so step back here. People who are listening might not know what an ultra marathon is. That's over 100
0: miles, correct? Like that's so, the definition? Uh, the, the, actual the... Def- no, the actual definition of, a, of an ultra marathon is anything um, greater than a marathon. So okay. anything greater that's than a right. marathon is considered an ultra marathon. But okay. I did my, f- I've only done one, I, I've done several 50 milers. Um, I've done one 100 miler and that was the most painful, painful, painful. I did it, uh, it's gonna be two years this November, but I'm doing my second one now in April. So I'm looking forward to that. Crazy, man. Dude, what, I mean, so how many, how long does that take you? Like, how many hours? Well, this 100 miler, um, again, never having done it in my mind, I'm, I know I can do it under 24 hours. I ended up doing it almost in 29 because basically after 27 miles, no, 20 at mile 29. So with with 71 miles to go, every time I would go downhill and I would step anything going downhill, I felt like there were knives stabbing me in the legs. So for the next 71 70 miles, miles, oh my goodness. Yeah, and it was it was an interesting experience because it taught me so much about my limits, my perceived limits, and what we're actually capable of. Because there's no way that I would have told you that the amount of pain that I was in, I was going to finish that thing. I wasn't thinking about 71 miles. I was just thinking about, hey, get to the next aid station where I can fill up on water, get something to eat, and then, okay, get to the next one. But I remember crossing the line with my wife and my 10 year old, because they came to support me. And the race finished on a track. And I remember crossing the line with them and the two things that came to my mind after being in excruciating pain and finally being done was I can do this faster, and i can do a 200 and 300 mile run like in my mind because at that point it became a mental game i realized that there's a point where you can only train so much if you're going to train for a 200 miler you're not going to be running 100 miles every day you're not going to be running you know this there's there's only a certain amount of, there's a, a finite finite number of hours in a day plus all your other responsibilities so there's a point where the physical training Reaches a limit, and so the question is: Is what do you have between your ears? Like, what's going on in your head that's going to allow you to move forward? And going through that pain really taught me that I definitely have what it takes to keep pushing the boundaries, keep pushing the limits on what my body is capable of. Um, for no one else, but for myself, right? Because there's something about that that was very freeing and empowering.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, I found that interesting in my own life too. Like when you start to just crush those like small limiting beliefs and then like the door just opens. Like, you know, you, yeah. you, you barely, you know, you get this 100 miles done, but the 70 miles are this like, you know, knife stabbing pain. You finish and then you're like, I can go 200, I can go 300. Like right. when you just eliminate those small limiting beliefs in life, it seems like it opens up the door for like endless possibilities. So yeah. it's, and it's your, I mean, you're doing it again. So you weren't scared away. Right. This is, sure. this is your, your second take at it. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I, I actually, here's one thing I, I I'd like to share about that because yeah. I think oftentimes it's easy to get, uh, or to romanticize these big things. Oh wow. You did a hundred miles, but the journey up to it was actually quite more, I think more empowering if you pay attention to it. So. Mm. Uh, rewind three and a half, three and a half, four years before I did the the 100 miler. Okay. I've been training all my life, but I was very inconsistent. I, I, you know, I'd run two or three days and then I wouldn't run for the rest of the week. And then, you know, I'd lift for like one or two days and then I wouldn't lift. I, my training was all over the place. It was enough to keep me healthy, but not... Not, there's no consistency. Gotcha. And I, I realized that and I said, you know, I'd like to change that. And so I set a few goals that I was going to do. One of them, or a few habits that I wanted to put, that I still do to this, to this day, by the way. Um, one of them was do 10 minutes of movement. So my thinking was, okay, look, let me see if for the next 30 days I can commit to doing 10 minutes every day of walking, stretching, running, lifting, some kind of activity, movement. That's why I called it movement for, 10 day, for, for 30 days straight. And then when I got there, I was like, okay, I did it. I didn't miss a date. Let's see if I can do 60. And then I was like, oh, I did that. Let me see if I can do 90. When I got to 90, I was like, I could do this for the year. Mm-hmm. And so I did it for a year. And what's happened? what's interesting is that I did those 10 minutes for almost two years without missing a day. And then after that, I said, you know, what would happen if I now on top of those 10 minutes, I said, what if I ran 30 minutes every single day for 30 days? And let's see if I could do that. And so that I did that. And I was like, huh, let me get to five weeks. So you know, it's 35 days. Okay, great. So as I got there, I was like, huh, what happens if Every five weeks, I increase 15 minutes. How how high can I take that? Hmm. And every five weeks, I would increase 15 minutes, and I got up to two hours every day. Wow. So I did that for a year and a half of running. Were you doing it in the morning, or were you doing it after work? Um, whenever I could. Whenever you could. Okay. In the morning, in the middle of the day. I mean, when you're talking about two hours, it's hard to craft out two hours. Yeah. So... I mean, I would squeeze it in whenever, whenever I could do it straight through, I would. But a lot of times I had to break it up, especially like when you're talking about an hour and a half, two hours, like it's just a big chunk of time. So, so I share that all because you're talking about two years of 10 minutes, then almost a year and a half of running every single day. And then I did the 100 miler. So it wasn't like, oh, this guy is so awesome. He can do it whenever (laughs) he wants. He's just gifted. I was like, no, it was a four-year journey before I even told the line. Yeah. That got me there. But it's those little things that you do consistently that create transformation. For sure. For sure.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Thanks for emphasizing that. And I like how you prefaced the whole thing, which was the journey is the most like, Important part if you pay attention to it, because like you Mm. have to be able, you know, at least reflecting or being able to pick up on like what's happening, and or else you're just always going to kind of focus on those those noticeable things, right? Like I did the Mm. race, but you obviously looked back and are pretty aware. That's cool. I like that. I I like the I like the choice of the word movement too, because I think that oftentimes it's 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 physical exercise is always thought about as like you go to the gym or you know something that's like high intensity, but stretching. I mean, I do a lot of yoga myself and walking and just like you know, any sort of activity is good for our bodies. We sit way too much and we're not, <laughs> we're not using them. Um, so sweet. Thanks for sharing all that. Um, okay. Let's, let's transition. Um, so I know I want to talk your about, about your book eventually, but I, I know like there was kind of the five steps and one of the first pillars was sort of awareness. And, um, I, I'm, I kind of want you to to take us on, on your journey a bit before we dive into to actually what's in the book, but you know, you know what did the journey of like you understanding yourself look like and um you know i'm I'm just curious on how you became to like grow more self awareness around who you are, the type of work you want to do, you know the type of father that you want to be now after having such an important father in your life um, Can you just take us a little bit on behind the scenes of that journey and maybe some of the big moments on that?
0: It's a great question um and I think one of the things that I want before anyone hears this is understand that my awareness just like your awareness will evolve as the stages in your life aware don't think that you're going to be the same person at 20 that you are at 40 well hope that you're not right fingers crossed (laughs) right 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 so the awareness that i had in my 20s was very very different like i had this this idea of who I was and what I was put on this earth to do that is very different than the one I have right now. And so Mm. when, when I was in my twenties, I thought it was about, um, you know, getting the best job and kind of getting through school and just being the best, you know, doing the best that you can and do the hard work. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that was the focus of everything that I was doing as I moved out into, let's call it the real world from college because the college is a bubble and it's a beautiful bubble. So I'd encourage you, like if you're listening to this and you're in college, enjoy it, enjoy the bubble because it's such a unique experience to everything else in, in your life after that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So don't be in a hurry to get out of it and start life like I was like, enjoy it for what it is. And then when it's time to transition, transition, don't also be that guy that is now (laughs) with a kid and is married and you still want to act like a college kid and hang around the, you know, the frat house all the time. You become the weird, creepy guy in the frat (laughs) house. Like you, You don't want that either. Yeah. Right. So honor the stage that you're in and create awareness for that, and when you do that, what'll happen is it'll create a platform, a foundation for you to build for the next stage of your life. The clearer you are on the stage that you are in, mm. allows you to create that, that foundation to build for the next stage. Right? Yeah. Um, for myself, when I got married, it was, a, it was now a big shift because n- now there was somebody else that I was providing for. Yeah. I was providing for my wife and well, I mean, we were providing together, right? Like that now it was something that we had to do together. Um, luckily, you know, my wife and I do very similar thing. So we work together, like we have our company together, we have everything, so our conversations support each other. Mm-hmm. And that was by design. Like I was looking for somebody who had similar interests and similar Um, values as myself it wasn't by mistake Uh, so uh, as far as the awareness like i knew when i was 12 or 13 years old that i wanted to be a father like my father was to me like that was i was very like i remember consciously thinking as like man i have such an awesome time with my dad when i'm a kid when i'm when i'm when i grow up and i have kids i want to be a dad like my dad is to, to to me yeah right so for me, it was always like oh, I want to get married. I want to have kids. I have three kids now, and and it's like I I find myself doing the same things. I I run, you know, three in the morning, four in the morning to not not mess up a family time. And now my older my 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 oldest my son is eleven, and so now we start going out for runs and we start training. We play basketball. And we go out yes. for a run. You know, we go camping and hiking. But I go with all the kids camping and hiking, and get them used to adventure. And what I have realized over the years is that the constant for me is adventure is one of the most important things in my life because I feel that adventure is more a mindset than anything else. And what I mean by that is that I believe that adventure is a mindset of creating possibility. It's curiosity. It's finding out what's around the next corner. And the reason I think that's so important is because that's how you grow. The, that's when it puts you when you get into those positions of that you gotta suffer a little bit to overcome, to get a little bit stronger, become a little bit, a little bit better. You learn lessons when you try something and you fail. But the only way you do it is through curiosity. And you know, I, I'm constantly sharing that with my kids. It's like, Nothing great ever happens in the comfort of your home. And the point of that is, is like, actually, they've experienced it. I said, guys, do you remember the adventures that we've been on? And they're like, yeah. Uh, and they're like, where does this, where do these adventures happen? They're like, oh, outside. All these adventures happen outside. And I said, do you remember any adventures where you're playing video games? And they're like. No. Do you adventure? Do you remember any adventures when we're inside the house? No. Okay. So it's like, (laughs) I can say something, but they've experienced it. So now they own it and they're like, Oh, like they asked me Dad, can we go on an adventure today? And it could be in the middle of the week. And it's like, Oh, what's the adventure? Oh, today we're going to walk a mile to the grocery store, pick up a loaf of bread and then walk back and eat it on the way back. That's the adventure. You know, we yeah. see iguanas along the way. We try not to get killed by cars along the way. <laughs> but you can make adventure mm. an everyday thing yeah. in some way, yeah. shape, or form. Yeah.
1: Dude, I love that. I mean, you said so much pieces of gold there. Like, the first thing that I'm just, I'm just going back in order if you said it, but the kind of like, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but you said basically own the stage that you're in and like be in that stage of life. And soak that up and then when it's time to move on like properly transition and move on I loved I love that But then you know the whole adventure is a mindset thing. I mean like myself too I I consider myself someone who loves to adventure and do new things and I just love how you phrase that Like it really is just like a genuine curiosity when you say the word adventure or explore It's almost like you're inviting you're inviting new things you're inviting, you know new when you travel, you know how much? you're so much more likely likely to go out of your way and talk to people or, or, you know, like look at this tree for a little bit longer because it looks cool or, you know, like all these little things that if you're in your normal mindset, you might not stop and and just take in. So there's almost like maybe a mindfulness component in there too. That just makes you more aware of like things that are going on. And so I think that's awesome, dude. And I think it's sweet that your kids will ask you to go on an adventure in the middle of the week. I think you're doing, (laughs) you're doing something good there. Um, Sweet. So then, you know, so when it, cause I, again, I think about self-awareness all the time. And so when you think about, we you think about, so like someone like me, recent college graduate, 23 years old, you know, you're in the stage of life where you're after college and you're figuring out the next step of your life. Like, you know, what, do you ever have like exercises or recommendations that you have, like for people to kind of like start to build that self-awareness like around, you know, a certain stage that they're at in their life? Like, what would you, what would you tell me as like a college graduate? how I could start to learn more about you know, myself and, and uh, like who I am and the things that I want to do.
0: Okay, When I was growing up, in, it, I had chores to do in the house. I had to take out the trash. I had to mow the lawn. I had to make my bed and do the laundry. I had to do my own laundry. I realized in doing those things, number one, you, you, you acquire skill. Mm-hmm. right i know how to do laundry i know how to cook right from before when i was a kid like it was part of the thing part of the, the there were i was the oldest of four and my mom's like all right everyone has a kitchen day which means that's the day you cook and that's the day you cl- clean the kitchen yep. you want your clothes uh done you got to put the clothes in the laundry don't tell me mom uh you know hey i don't have anything to wear you know how to operate the the washing <laughs> machine do it yourself right yeah and I quickly realized as a kid certain things that i didn't want to do in my life i didn't want to be a trash man right you know not that i aspired that that was going to be the thing but i quickly realized there's one check off that i don't have to worry about i know i'm not going to be because i've experienced it you know very limited right because one thing is taking your own trash imagine picking up everyone else's trash it's not <laughs> enjoyable i had no desire to do it yeah so there was one off. Second mowing the lawn. It's a skill that I acquired. I know how to mow the lawn. I know how to do that. And I like being outside, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. So I was like, okay, great. It's a skill I acquired. I can put it in my tool, my toolbox, but I know that I don't like it, but I did find out I like the physicality of it. I like being physical. I like being outside. Okay, great. I also store that what I liked about it, but what I didn't like about it. Mm. um, I had to go. I mentioned that I had to go to work with my dad. Yeah. Well, I would go to work with my dad in the summers. Summer in Miami is like 95, 98 percent humidity, 98 degrees, mosquitoes, and like I said, my dad doesn't wake up late, so we're starting at the job site at 6 a.m. And he trains before. That means you're training with him. (laughs) So when you go to work with him, you got to train too. So you know, I'm up at 4:30, 5 in the morning. I'm 12 years old, 13 years old, and I'm getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. And the work that I'm doing is you're sweeping, you're digging trenches, you're picking up uh, cinder block, you're moving it from one place to there. In my mind, it's like, what the heck is the point? You know, why am I <laughs> moving stuff from one end of the place to the other? Um, but I quickly realized I don't want to do construction. I Again, it's another skill set that I learned. Because I can be a foreman in a, in a construction site. I can go there. I know exactly what's going on and why it's there. And I can do that. But I realize that's not my calling, but it's the anti thing. Very often we get stuck when we don't have the clarity of what it is that we want to do. And my encouragement is search for the anti things, cross Mm -hmm. things out, try different things, go on mission trips, go on adventures, do jobs that you know aren't going to be the long-term job, but do them so that you can acquire some kind of skill. And then you you have context for the direction you want to move. So the anti-thing helps give clarity because it 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 points you in a direction away from what you don't want, and it pushes you and nudges you a little closer to where you want to, whether you know it or not. That's why I say evaluate it by saying, okay, wait, first of all, did you like it? Is this something you can see yourself doing long term? And if the answer is no, you're like, okay, great. What were the things that I took from this? What were the skills that I acquired from this? What did I like about this? What principles did I like about this? Oh, I got to deal with people. I really like dealing with people. I, I didn't realize it, but I, people energized me. Oh, great. Okay, well, I should probably start looking for jobs with People around them, mm-hmm. not in a cubicle by myself, sitting in a dark room programming all day. That may not be the best thing for me.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: So, all of a sudden, you start getting a little bit more clarity in the direction you need to be going. You may not know exactly mm-hmm. what it is. You may need to anti thing it a few more times yeah. to, to go there. And then, if you start combining that with some of your passions, you start seeing that Venn diagram of intersection. It's like, oh, people uh healing activities oh great you know what i like working with my hand i like people um i like um optimizing people's uh health great maybe what i can do is become a physical therapist or you know i can do do this kind of thing yeah does, does that make sense
1: no that's yeah that's incredible thank no that's you you nailed that that answer i my my takeaways are just like Like, like you said, be adventurous and try a lot of things, but just be super mindful then like, like reflect and don't say like, Oh, that was all good. Or that was all bad. Like say, okay, here's what I liked. Here's what I didn't like. Like you said, I don't want to do that, but like I have this skill now and I know I like this little thing about that. So I'm going to take that forward with me. And I think that was, yeah, that was fantastic. Thank you for breaking that down for me. Um, so this all, yeah, led you into then being, physical therapist, uh, now a coach and an author. So let's, let's just jump into the book real quick. Um, so when did you get the idea to write this book and can you give us a little bit of a background on the legacy code, which is a modern man guide to escape obscurity and live a life unleashed, powerful, powerful title. Uh, can you give me a little bit of background as to why,
0: uh, why you decided to write this? So it had to do with the work, um, that I was doing with my coaching clients. And, um, you know, when I, remember when I mentioned that in life, we hit these moments in our life that genuinely shift the direction of the course of our life. Hmm. Uh, I hit that in a really, really dark way. Um, maybe six years ago, I, you know, my wife and I had our fitness and physical therapy studio in Miami and we were help we were helping plenty of people something felt off for me and everything that we had built over the past what six uh, at this point like seven years prior uh, I felt was now the thing that was imprisoning me I felt started to get a little constraint not because of the people the people were great or my clients were great, not because of the business itself. I felt that there was something wrong with me. I felt like there was, I just felt trapped. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever felt trapped, but it's like this, it's like this pressure on your chest, this pressure, this burden just leap, And what makes it worse is that you don't know why. It's mm-hmm. not like if you have, if you have, like if you're carrying a hundred pound ruck and you're like, oh, I'm tired and my shoulder and my neck hurt. Oh yeah, cause I got a hundred pound ruck. What do I do to 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 fix that? Oh, I just put it down, take it off, yeah, but the problem was that when when you're talking about emotional stuff, when you're talking about the stuff of the mind, it's less clear often, and so you feel the weight, you feel this burden trapping you and holding you down. You just don't know what it is, so you can't just take it off hmm. and Unfortunately, for me, it took me down. A pretty dark path. uh, I say that I was in a depressed state, meaning I was in a less than state—not clinically depressed—but you know, I started turning down business. I almost bankrupted our business, and my wife was pregnant with a third child, Hmm. and it was literally a crossroads in life. And my wife was frustrated; she didn't know how to help anymore. She was like, "I don't know how to help you." And around that time. I had a a coach of mine reach out and he invited me to Thailand he said look I think I'm having this retreat out in Thailand I think this could really help and there were two problems with that number 1 like I said I was back I almost bankrupted the business so I didn't have the money and number 2 during the during the dates of the retreat was essentially would have been a week and a half earlier than the due date so if my son was born early, which very doable, is number three, um, I would have missed. I would miss the birth of my my third child. And I remember having the conversation with my wife, and this is like what I always express to people. This was a moment of great courage that I I had the opportunity to witness because she looked at me and she asked me, "Do you think that this is something that'll get you out of this funk? Do you think this will help you?" And I remember, like. Distraught and I feeling that burden on top of me. And I said, Yeah, I, I truly believe it would. And she goes, Well, then you need to go. And you need to go and do it, not for you, but for us, because I would rather you miss the birth of our child than you miss the rest of our lives because you're not the man, the husband, and the father that I know that you can be. And I was like, Oh <laughs> dude, I just I just <laughs> felt that. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> right. Um, so fast forward, I go to Thailand. Um, in there, I do some 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 clarity work, and I realize that what I one of the things that I really wanted to do was connect with other men just like myself, who are married, who are entrepreneurs, but are family centric entrepreneurs, guys who have the family first as opposed to the profit first and i realized that nobody was really talking to them and i felt like there was an opportunity for me to be able to serve on a really meaningful level and so i created a whole program while i was there in thailand and i got back this is the part i i, I want to make sure i don't forget to say this i got back And I did not miss the birth of my child. Hey, perfect. (laughs) So he was born actually three days after I got back. So he waited. and (laughs) You know, you know. So after I returned, I started doing this coaching work, this more in-depth work with other men just like myself. And I did that for like two or three years. And I realized this is something that more people need to get. But I realized not everyone is ready to do coaching Mm -hmm. because coaching first of all is a luxury it's not a necessity and the reason i can say that is because we survived for millions of years without coaching there were coaches there weren't coaches back in the day you know we survived but coaching isn't for surviving coaching is for thriving Mm. and so that's that's why i say it's a luxury this is an opportunity for you to fast track what you want to do because you get to borrow someone else's Prefrontal cortex when you're not clear and you get to fast-track the process because Again, you have more direction support and focus and clarity whereas before you wouldn't so I wrote the book and I wrote the book in utter ignorance if I knew how difficult it was going to be, I probably wouldn't have started. <laughs> right. This yeah, is a yeah. perfect example of ignorance is bliss. Yeah. And to show you how ignorant I was with the process, I wrote the book in 2000 or the book came out 2017. Yes. Three launched, years ago, three, four years ago. I, I launched the book the week before Christmas on 2017. Okay. It officially came out January 15th. Okay. I rewind, on 2016 in December, I was hosting the Modern Man Virtual Summit in March, which is a virtual summit I did with, uh, I think it was 12 different speakers from all across the world. Um, Different components on how to how to essentially become a better man. I was putting this together. It was the first time I was doing a virtual summit. We had over 900 uh, participants come in through it. Nice. Um, in my mind, uh, so I was putting this virtual summit together in March. This is in December, so December before, in March. So four four months four months to to the virtual summit, and I got the bright idea. I was like. You know what would be awesome if I wrote this book and I could have it and and I, can, and I can sell it to you know to people in the Virtual Summit. I thought, oh, this would be a great opportunity because these are the kinds of men that would want to read about this. So in my mind, I decided that it would be a good idea in December. I start writing in January, and in my mind, I was going to have it written, uh, edited and printed in less than three months having never done it and are there people that have done it I'm sure there are I was not one of them
1: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was not one of them and so that's kind of like the backstory I ended up it took me sometimes I I like I do things a little bit extreme in case you didn't pick that part up (laughs) so I remember August I still wasn't done and I still hadn't sent the first draft to my editor and I was like I have to get like in my mind I needed to for myself I needed to get this book out before the end of the year and I basically took out a hundred dollars from my wallet and I took a picture of it and I posted on Facebook and I said I need your help said if you comment below uh, sorry, I said um, if I have not sent in the first draft by this date, which was ten days from the day I posted, uh, I'm gonna give a hundred dollars to everyone that puts uh, a comment on there. By the end of the day, my dad's calling me, my wife is calling me, my family's going, "What are you doing? Are you crazy?" I was down nine thousand dollars. If I didn't follow through, like there was that many comments. (laughs) You created necessity, man. (laughs) Yeah. $9,000 that I did not have. And I I remember at the end of the post, I said, oh, and by the way, I don't plan to pay because I will get it done. Like I genuinely said, said that, right. Um, But most of the comments were actually like, oh, you can keep your money, but we're cheering for you. But like in my mind, it was still a comment. So
1: yeah, that's yeah. an extra hundred dollars, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, the day before the due date, I was in the mountains. I I didn't even I didn't even pay attention. I was on vacation during the time that time frame, those ten days. The back end of those, the last five days, I was gonna be in the mountains in North Carolina with my family on vacation. My wife is like, "You couldn't have done it any other time while we were there." <laughs> so I ended up writing early in the morning before everyone woke up. And late at night afterwards, so I wouldn't mess up the vacation. With the exception of the day, the day of, I had to drive into town because we didn't have any reception to send my editor the book. (laughs) Right. And so uh, after that first draft, after that first draft in August, there were 12 drafts after that that I wrote. And I launched the book the week before Christmas two days so I pre-launched pre-launched so the book didn't come out until January 15th but I pre-launched it the week before Christmas it became a bestseller two days later and then everyone got their copies January 15th which is awesome. pretty amazing
1: <laughs> that's yeah that's <laughs> I love that you're crazy dude <laughs> I love it I mean they yeah you you made it so you couldn't not do it there was no more there was no more choice there was no more uh like being able to delay it because you're like i'm gonna owe nine grand if i don't do this so this is this needs to happen and yeah man i love that whole that whole backstory there uh i actually lived for in thailand for six months back in 2018 so that kind of hits home for me like going to thailand and coming back a new man so that that story also <laughs> resonated with me um so just real quickly then the five steps are that you have in this model are awareness vision purpose process and implementation correct right,
0: right. and, and, and th- this this is to create this is a model that i use to help create legacy right okay. one of the things that i realized is that legacy is something that is ingrained in us as men uh, especially as we get older, especially when you have kids, mm. in fact, for the book i I interviewed one hundred and fifty three guys um, and what I found is that the guys that thought most about legacy were fathers. second mm. were were people who were religious or or believed in something greater than themselves, like they believed in God or something greater than themselves, yeah, um. Because now it wasn't about you, right? Because legacy rarely is, it's not about you.
1: It's, yeah.
0: it's the impact that you make. And so um, one of the things that, 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 or the process that I share is you have to first have awareness. Do I want legacy? Do, is, is this something that I'm actively creating? Because one thing is for certain, you're gonna have a legacy whether you want it or not. The question yeah. is, is, is it gonna be in a, a legacy you accrue unconsciously or one that you create consciously yeah and my intention with the book was to get people to start creating intentionally mm. not accruing un uh, unconsciously
1: yeah absolutely so i'm gonna let you pitch it for a second then because <clears throat> i feel like uh you know there's a ton of books out there and there's obviously a ton of podcasts there's millions of things like why why should somebody buy this book and and check it out? And like, what kind of person would benefit most from, from getting a copy?
0: Yeah. If you're in that stage of your life, and again, this is an important distinction because Mm -hmm. if you're in a stage of your life that you don't really care what happens and you're living moment to moment and you're okay with that, whatever, it's not going to really do much for you at this moment. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a stage of your life where you feel like, no, I, I, I want to actively create something great. Like I know that there's a bigger plan for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I want to explore it. Then this is a book that may interest you because it's essentially giving you the blueprint to create a system to actively create a legacy that's meaningful. One of the things that I share with them is that the life that you live is the legacy you leave Mm. and that could scare you or excite you because depending on how you've been living your life up to now you're like oh is is that all there is and that's what happened to me there was a point where I got to my life where I was like is that all there is and it wasn't not is that all there is because I wanted a bigger house, a bigger car, or you know, more vacation. No, it wasn't a thing. It was like a fulfillment thing. It's like no, there's more to my life than this. Yeah. Um. And I'm 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 gonna seek it out. Yeah. yeah. So if if like awesome. if you find yourself that you're asking those questions, then this is a great book. It's an easy read. Uh, my 11 year old read it. By the way, that was one of the most um, proud moments when my son, who's 11 now, he read it when he was 10 and he's like, dad, I read your book. It was a good book. I really liked the stories and That's stuff that you had. Awesome, in it. man. Oh, so, wow.
1: Yeah. I can like talk about a legacy, man. There you go. <laughs> Passing it on. Um, sweet. Well, I know we're running out of time here, so I want to close it up with, with the final question. Um, Kind of the theme of the podcast, but if you were to define what an extraordinary life looks like for yourself, how would you, how would you define it?
0: An extraordinary life for me is one in which I can create. The. I can, I can allow, first of all, that my family knows that they're loved. But let mm. me let, let me break it down a little further. An extraordinary yeah. life for, for me would be uh, for for my marriage that my wife knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that I love her beyond anything, that um, I am able to take care of her, and that we're able to create uh, meaningful experiences together. For my kids, is that we're able to create these amazing adventures, and that they never lose the the desire for curiosity mm. and to create uh impact in the lives of other people so if i could do that for my kids you know i know that they're going to be uh people who can create value in this world and not just be consumers yeah and then from a from a from a business perspective or an impact perspective being able to serve people on such a meaningful level that that i being in their life could actually be one of those moments that, that radically shifts the course of their life the same way we have these crossroads in life that say, wow, because I met Armando, my life radically shifted. If I could do that, I would say, I would, that, that, that would be uh, my definition.
1: Thank you for tuning into this conversation that I had with best-selling author Armando Cruz. I hope that his stories about his childhood and raising his kids and running his 100-mile ultra-marathon race and going to Thailand and writing a book and all this really taught you more about how you can start to build awareness in your life, how you can reflect on your experiences, and how you can start to build the legacy that you want to have. Because like he says, We're going to have a legacy whether we want it or not. So the choice is, do we want to build it unconsciously or do we want to start to build it consciously? If you want to check out his book, The Legacy Code, I will put the link in the show notes. And my call to action is for you to sit down and really think about or write about what kind of legacy do you want to leave? And another way to think about this is how do you want to make people feel? What do you want to give to people? When people talk about you, what do you want them to say? Because once you know that, once you know what kind of legacy you want to live, you can start being that person and being that light for people out in the world. So that's my call to action for you. Take a couple minutes, write that down, and start to truly think about that. Lastly, if there's anything about this episode that you really liked, definitely share it, share it with me, message me, put it up on your social medias. i love to see what parts of the interviews that people like the best so I can keep doing my best to provide you with amazing interviews and amazing value, so you can go off and make your dream lives a reality. I will see you next time, people.